Okay, so today we are going to talk about a book that I'm sure that every single person knows on this call. I don't know if you all have read it. You should if you haven't, but we're going to talk about something that a book that everybody knows on this call, okay? And it's it's Think and Grow Rich. Who knows that one? Drop a one in the chat if y'all read it. Who read it? Drop a one if you read it. Drop a two if you know about it, but you haven't really like read it yet. Okay. It is literally like the Bible of success, basically. Like obviously not an actual Bible, um, nothing related to religion, but it's like so well known in the sphere of personal development and success and wealth creation um, that it is like a monumental book. It is called Think and Grow Rich. Okay. Uh, one of the most, I would say, popular books on on wealth creation, on business, on all that kind of stuff. So definitely recommend a read. It is a little bit of a thick read, I would say. Like they use kind of some old school terminology and old school examples in the book, um, but the concepts are amazing, okay? I've read it years ago. Yeah, I need to reread it again too, actually. But I'm gonna talk about a few parts in that book that, um, you know, stood out to me. So one of them, and one of my favorite parts about this, the book is actually the author, Napoleon Hill, talks about a personal story uh, with one of his kids, right? He has two sons, and one of his sons actually had, uh, was born with no ears, okay? Like literally born with no ears. Nothing could like actually fix it because he was even inside like his ear, he wasn't born with the parts that um, actually allow humans to hear. So it, it's not like it was able to be like fixed or anything like that. He was literally born with no ears. And he goes through this journey with his, with his son and it's just so phenomenal and one of the most beautiful concepts that I've ever come across, right? And he says, uh, you know, a, a, a part of the book he says, um, he, started actually telling his son in in his like he would speak to him even though he wasn't sure if he could fully hear it he would speak affirmations into his head like he would like put his his mouth like right here and he would still speak affirmations into his head even though he didn't have any any ears right and he wrote um in part of the book he said and this is a quote that like really like stood out to me and he said it was designed to play in his mind the thought that his affliction was not a liability, but an asset of great value. Despite the fact that all the philosophy I had examined clearly indicated that every adversity brings with it a seed of equivalent advantage. No, uh, they had no idea how this disability could be an advantage, but they continued anyways. So he had no idea how not having an ear could be an advantage even though he heard this concept or he knew this concept that all adversity brings with it a seed of equal advantage and I love this I love this quote because it applies to so many of us in so many different ways we all go through some sort of adversity right some sort of something that we feel like is going to hold us back is going to make everything worse is is something that's going to make us feel like we lost something, like we have a disadvantage, whether it's the community that we grew up in, whether it's, you know, not having money growing up, whether it's, you know, not 
be not having a specific trait or a quality or a skill or having a flaw doesn't necessarily have to be a specific disability, but even just any sort of flaw that we, we have, right? Any sort of flaw that we have, we start to think that those things are what's going to hold us back in life. But this philosophy says that every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. That means anything that you have in your life that is a negative, right? That is a, it, it, that is a, a lack, that is a drawback, that is something that you're missing actually has attached to it something that is going to give you an advantage. And I, I think if we shift the way that we look at these things in our lives, we'll shift the outcome of our lives and we'll shift the way that they play a role in our lives, right? So his son was born with no ears and he had no clue whether it was ever going to be fixable. Imagine how devastating it is, you know, to, to, to give birth to a child and know that they may never have like a normal life. They may never have, and this is like back in the day, this is like almost over a hundred years ago, maybe 80 years ago or 90 years ago. So like the opportunities aren't what we have now, right? It was very slim pickings for jobs and different things that you could do for money. So think of like, this child is born and now like you're, you have all this pity or this, you know, a part, part of you is mourning the fact that they're never really going to have a normal life. They're never really going to go through a regular life. Right? So even though he didn't know how his son, how his son was going to turn this into an advantage, he kept telling him stories he kept telling him all these stories over and over and over again, how the, his, his, uh, the fact that he can't hear was going to be his greatest asset. He kept telling him the stories. He wasn't even sure if he could hear it, but he would just keep speaking into, into the side of his head, right? And he would tell him all these stories about how it's going to be his greatest asset, right? And, you know, when they started going to school, him and his brother you know, you have the worries of, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have ears. How is he going to, how is he going to communicate with the other kids? How is he going to play? How is he going to learn? How is he going to do all those things? But his disadvantage turned into an advantage in different ways. And it started showing in his life, right? Like he started going to school and teachers and certain people would show him special attention and give him extraordinary kindness compared to what they would give to his brother who, who could hear, who had proper hearing, right? So it turned into an advantage there and you may not see it right away, but people were nicer to him. People went the extra mile to help him. People went the extra mile to make him feel good, right? Brittany says in the chat, if he couldn't hear, he could at least feel the vibrations for the loving words his father spoke to him. Exactly. Right? So already when he went to school, it started being turned into an advantage. He started to look at, wow, look at how these people are treating me nicer than they treat my brother just because of this thing that I have. And for months and months and months, he begged his mom. His brother started selling newspapers. And he begged his mother to sell newspapers too. 
that was like the gig for all the young people back in the day, right? Now we don't really, now we don't really spread newspapers like that as much. Uh, we still do, but not as much as we used to, right? Because everything's digital. But that was the gig back in the day, right? And he would beg his mom because he would see his brother going and selling these new paper, newspapers and making money. And he would beg his mom to be able to go sell newspapers, but his mom always said no. His mom <coughs> was, <coughs> sorry. So I remember I begged my brother to come help him do it. And after 15 minutes, I was over it. <laughs> we always think it's so cool when we see adults doing adult things until we become adults and we get to do those adult things. And we're like, yeah, washing the dishes is not that fun. Cooking is not that fun. You know what I mean? But he really wanted to do it. And his mother said no, because his mother was so scared that it was going to be way too dangerous for a deaf boy to go out alone in the streets, trying to sell something and talking to all these strangers, right? But, and he would beg his mom and he would beg his mom and his mom would continuously say no because she was scared for his safety. So after, you know, after several months of begging his mom and his mom saying no, he went to the neighborhood shoemaker and he bargained with the shoemaker to let him borrow six cents. Now at the time, this is like 80 to 100 years ago, right? This is a lot of money at the time, right? Um, six cents, okay? He borrowed six cents so that he could buy newspapers and go out and sell these newspapers, right? And he went and bought them, right? He went and bought these newspapers and uh, went and sold them until they were all sold out. And then he used the money to rebuy more newspapers. And then he continued to do that for the whole day over and over and over and over again until nighttime behind his mom's back. He ended up earning 42 cents, okay? So he turned seven cents into 42 cents. That's almost seven times his money. How would y'all feel if you could seven X your money today, right? He literally seven X'd his money. I know 42 cents is nothing right, nothing right now, but in that time it was a lot, right? So he would, he seven X'd his money and he went back to the house and he was showing his mom and he was showing his parents and he was so freaking excited. Look at how much money I made. I went out and I did this and I, and I sold the newspapers and look at the money I made. And his mom was like mortified. His mom was like, poor boy. He went out because he was so desperate for money that he put himself in danger to get that money. And she felt bad for him because she knew that he had put himself in danger. Whereas the dad, the dad was proud of him because he had faith in himself. He had faith in himself that he could achieve anything, even though he had this huge disability, even though he had this huge setback, even though he had this huge thing against him, he had faith in himself that he could achieve anything. Even when other people like his mother and like the people around him didn't fully believe in him, he still had faith in himself. So he saw himself as the little bit as a little businessman, right? And this success raised his belief in himself. The fact that he went out and did something that he's wanted to do, that he was told that he couldn't do, right? And he got it done. It raised his belief in itself, has raised his confidence in himself. 
he start, started to look at himself a little different, right? And he said he would look at this little boy and he's like, how could be a, he be upset when it looked like his stock in himself had increased 100%, right? He, he, he started to see himself as more brave, as more efficient, right? As more resourceful. How could he, how could he be upset with him? And it just, and it goes to show that we can achieve anything, no matter the circumstances, no matter what people believe of us, no matter where we came from, no matter what we came from. Just by believing in yourself and being resourceful, right? And that resourcefulness would, would you know, follow him for the rest of his life. I always tell people, I always tell my team, like, it's not about being smart. It's about being resourceful. You live in a world with infinite resources, like infinite, like prior to this day and age, 2022, like, like we're talking about hundred years ago, they didn't have resources. Like we had resources, right? They did not have resources. Like we had resources. We have Google. Like we have Google, we have YouTube, we have free books and podcasts. We have so much free information out there that anything that you need to do in your life, you can literally Google and figure out a, a solution to it. You can literally, there's so many things that I've Googled my way through. I know y'all have done the same thing, right? Googled your way through things that you didn't know how to solve a problem in your life and you went and researched and Googled and you found the solution to your problem? We have infinite resources. In this day and age, we are all so connected through social media, through all the things that we do. It's not about being smart anymore. It's about being resourceful. And I'll talk about that later on again. Someone privately said in the chat, this resonates with me so much. My parents are deaf and mute and my dad is just like this too. He is a, a successful house renovator when people would always mock him and think he couldn't do it until he proved them wrong. Wow. Wow. That just made me want to tear up. <laughs> wow. That somebody on the call said that privately in the chat, just so you guys know. Okay. So this story inspired me so much because we all have adversities and this would later be proven to be true. Later on in life, when the older brother who had perfect hearing, when the older brother wanted something, you know, and he was like still a kid, he would lay on the floor and he would cry and he would kick his feet and he would like basically cry and throw a hissy fit until he would get it. But when the deaf boy wanted something, he would plan a way to earn the money and then buy it for himself. So it started showing, even, even when they were young adults, it started showing in the way that they would act and it would go through the rest of their lives. And he says, handicaps can be converted into stepping stones on which one may climb on a worthy goal unless they are accepted as obstacles and used as alibis. Say that one more time. <clears throat> handicaps, which I don't think they're referring to just like being handicapped. I think they're referring to 
any sort of adversity, any sort of negative, any sort of thing that you feel like is against you. Like I said in, in the beginning, whether you're broke, whether you don't have a skill, whether you're not pretty enough, whether you're not good enough, whether anything that you feel like where you were dealt the wrong cards or something happened to you and it's affecting the way you're performing, know this, handicaps can be converted into stepping stones on which one may climb on a worthy goal unless they are accepted as obstacles and used as alibis. So if you accept the handicap or the setback as an obstacle and you use it as an alibi for a reason why you're not doing the things that you want to do or why you're not achieving the things that you want to achieve, then that's what it's going to be. But if you don't use it as that, it will be turned into literally a stepping stone where you can get to your goals. Right? Where you can get to your goals. This also makes me think of a, a popular um, motivational speaker named Nick, okay, who has no arms and no legs. I don't know if you guys know him. He's from my country, right? Yeah, so I see some of y'all nodding, nodding. So he's from my country, right? And it makes me think of him because somebody with no arms and no legs has, has achieved massive, massive success, and everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows who he is. And he may not even be the best speaker. He may not even be the most skilled speaker, but he stands out. He stands out because even if you didn't know his name, you knew who I was talking about because I said it's the one with no arms and no legs. He stands out. And he inspires people just because of that. Right? So use your setbacks as a stepping stone. Figure out what in that is a benefit. What in the things that you think you're lacking is a benefit. Maybe it's something as simple as you can relate to others. Maybe you were meant to be born in a shitty family so that you could create a beautiful family. Maybe you were meant to grow up broke so you could relate to people that are broke and help them get out of it. Maybe you were meant to have a lisp so that you can inspire other people who have a lisp. Maybe you were meant to be, I don't know, curvier so that you can inspire other people to be curvier and love their bodies. Maybe you were given what you were given so that you could stand out, so that your story could be different. Right? Because that's exactly what happened with this boy. No ears. He didn't go to, the sc to school for the death. He wasn't allowed to learn sign language, but he was just spoken every single day. He was spoken into his ear that he was going to be successful. And later on in life, he actually worked with a company and developed a hearing aid that will use sound vibrations to help people like him hear something. And with that, he helped people all over the world, right? And got hired by this company and gained success, and he got he he helped people all over the world learn how to speak. Right? He turned that into he turned the disability into an ability, into an asset, right? And there's three things that the father thinks that made him get there. Number one is he mixed faith with desire 
for normal hearing and he passed that on to his son. So the faith and the desire for normal hearing. Number two, he communicated that desire to him in every conceivable way possible with consistent and persistent effort for years. For years. And number three, he believed him. He believed him. And those three things caused him to have an extraordinary life, right? And it's this thing that we call auto-suggestion, right? Speaking, repeatedly speaking, speaking into the subconscious of your mind until you start believing it, right? It happens all over the world. How do some people become criminals, right? When you first, like a lot of criminals, when they first come into contact with crime, when they first see crime, they think it's a bad thing and they're like, oh, that's not a good thing. You know, we shouldn't have done that. They, they look poorly at crime. But then if you remain around crime for a longer period of time, you start to become accustomed to it and you start to endure it. You start to look at it as a little bit normal, right? And if you remain in, in contact with crime long enough, then you finally start to embrace it and become influenced by it. That happens all the time. You see it all the time. People starting off with petty little crimes and then they go, they go to jail or they spend time in jail or they spend time you know, around people that have committed more serious crimes and then they come out and they start committing even worse crimes because it starts to become normal. Same thing happens with drugs, right? When you get around people who are doing a drug, it starts to become normal, 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 right? Same thing with anything in life. If you get around people who are complaining a lot, then complaining starts to become normal, right? The more that you are together with something, the more that it will become normal to you, right? The more that you're repeating it in, in your, in your peripheral, in your vision, we talked about this a few weeks ago, your environment, the more that it comes, becomes normal to you. So that is the equivalent of saying any thought that is repeated in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over again, it will be accepted by your subconscious. So the law of attraction will turn that now into a reality. There, like, there's nothing wrong with deceiving your mind. I always say this, you got to trick your mind into success. You got to mind fuck your mind into success. The people who are the most successful is because they could create this picture in their mind that wasn't even real. And they could do it the best. Just creating that reality in your mind that doesn't even currently exist. He deceived his son's mind. He wasn't even sure if the son was ever going to be able to live a normal life. He wasn't even sure if the son was ever going to be able to hear. And he deceived his son's mind and his son believed it because he was persistent, 
And it was over and over and over and over again. Faith is a state of mind that is given, that is induced by the self-suggestion, by these affirmations, what you speak into yourself. And faith is the starting point of accumulating riches. Right? So they give a process for this. And it's six steps, six practical steps. And I'm going to read them to you, right? But first, I'm going I'm 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 to read this because I love the way that they, they said this in the book. Every human, every human being who understands the purpose of money wishes for it. Wishing will not bring riches, but desiring riches with a state of mind that becomes an obsession, then planning definite ways and means to acquire those riches and backing those plans with persistence does not recognize failure. He also talks about in the book how wishing is not enough. You have to be in a state, like, like a positive state. Like you have to believe what you're telling yourself. Not just telling yourself, but, but, but making yourself believe it. That feeling of goodness, that feeling of belief when you're repeating it to yourself over and over again is what's going to bring it to a reality. So wishing, it says, wishing will not bring riches, but desiring them to a state where you become obsessed with it. And then you plan how to get it. And then you back up those plans with persistence and action. That does not recognize failure. Napoleon was persistent with repeating those affirmations to his son every single day. He was persistent with it, right? So there's six definite practical steps to creating a statement, the statement where you can read back to yourself and, and really manifest whatever it is that you want. This one is specifically for money, but you can change it for anything that you want, anything that you desire in your life. So number one is fixing in your mind the exact amount of money that you desire. Fixing in your mind the exact amount of money that you desire. Or exactly, if it's not money, exactly what it is that you desire. If it's a partner, then it's going to be a partner, right? Exactly what you desire. Not what you don't want. You know, and I'll give you like a, I'll give you a little um, background on this. Um, I did this exercise on Wake Up with W Fab a while ago called contrast with clarity, contrast versus clarity. Okay, I haven't done it in a while. Maybe we should redo it. But what we did is we wrote down all of the things that we didn't want because it's so easy to identify what you don't want. It's easy to identify what you don't want in your relationships or in your business. For example, in your relationships, you don't want someone who yells when they're arguing. An example, maybe you don't care, but that's like one of my things, right? You don't want somebody yells or who gets loud or rude when they're arguing. And you focus on that. Oh, I don't want a man that's this. I don't want a girl that cheats. I don't want to, like you focus on what you don't want. But when you're focusing on what you don't want, you're attracting that exact same thing. Right? The law of attraction doesn't know. All it knows is you keep talking about cheaters. So what are you going to attract? And it's the same thing with money. If you talk about how you don't want to struggle with money, you don't want to be in debt, you don't want to have to be stressing about money, 
Those are all focusing on the negatives. Focus on what it is that you do want. That's called contrast. Turn the contrast into clarity. Write out the things that you don't want. And then beside them, write the things that you do want. And cross out the things that you don't want. So an example is instead of saying, um, you know, I want, I, I want a man who doesn't yell when they're arguing. Instead of that, you write, ooh, you write, I want a man who communicates in a clear manner, in a, in a calm manner, right? Instead of saying, I don't want to have debt, you can say, I, I um, am financially secure, right? or I always have more than I need. I always have more money than I need. Right? So turn the contrast into clarity. I did this exercise over a year ago on Wake Up with WFAB. Okay. And, and I did it for relationships. And I wrote all the things that I didn't want because I was so clear on what I didn't want. But I realized that I was focusing on what I didn't want. And then I wrote all the clarity statements on what I did want. And I actually forgot about it. I read it over a few times. I, I definitely wasn't super consistent with it, but I got clear on what I wanted. Um, and randomly, I was searching on my phone like a few weeks ago, and I was like searching for something and that popped up, right? That, that, that note popped up and I went, I was like, let me just go see what I wrote, right? Because I'm in a relationship now. Let me go see what I wrote. And I swear to God, like, all of the things I wrote are true with maybe the exception of like one, which is like not even not true. I just don't know if it's true yet. Like literally all of them are true in my current relationship. And it's just so crazy because I wrote this over a year ago and I got clear on what I wanted over a year ago. Right. And it ended up all becoming true. Right. So that is so powerful in itself. I went, I went in, into a tangent there, but when you, when, you, when you write the first step, you got to get clear on what you do want, not what you don't want, okay? Number two is determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the thing that you desire, right? Whether it's money, whether it's a relationship, whether it's whatever. There's no such thing as something for nothing. So determine what you're willing to give what you're willing to give for what you're asking for. Maybe you're willing to dedicate yourself. Maybe you're willing to give up Netflix. Maybe you're willing to give up, you know, sleeping in. Maybe you're willing to give up whatever. What are you willing to give up in return for this money? What are you willing to give? Maybe it's your time. You're willing to dedicate your time to your business or to whatever it is that you're trying to create, right? In relationships, maybe it's you're willing to give your heart, you're willing to give love, you're willing to give, you know, there's, there's never something for nothing, okay? Number three, establish a date when you intend to possess the money that you desire or the thing that you desire. Establish a date, a definite date. Number four, create a definite plan for acquiring your desire and begin at once 
whether you are ready or not to put this plan into action. So create a plan, right? And start putting the plan into action. Now the plan may not, things may not always go as you plan them, but you're going into action and you can adjust as you go. But the idea is that you have a plan for how you're going to get what you want. We can't just sit on our bed and wish for it and affirm it and speak it and not have a plan for how we're going to get it. Right? And the key, yeah, Kiki said the key, ready or not, you just put it into action. Most people do things when they're ready, but the reality is you're never really ready, are you? Because you can always be more ready. So just get into action. Number five, write out a clear, concise statement um, of write out a clear, concise statement of the amount of money that you intend to acquire, what you will do, the time, the timeline, what you're planning on giving for that money, and describe clearly the plan that you intend to accumulate it. And then read. Number six is read your written statement. Once you wrote down the written statement, I'll give you guys a little bit of like a format that they gave in the book. Read your written statement out loud twice daily in the morning and at night. And as you read it, see and feel and believe yourself already in possession of the money or the thing that you want. That's the key thing. So you have to see yourself and, and believe that you're already in possession. Um, live one I heard a while ago this statement that really helped me with that is live in the, the feeling of the wish fulfilled live in the feeling of the wish fulfilled so live currently in the feeling or of the wish fulfilled as if your desire as if your wishes were already true live that feeling today so that you can attract that into your life what would it feel like when you have that sum of money right live in the feeling of the wish fulfilled. So as you're reading this statement twice a day, you got to believe and you got to see yourself and you're going to feel yourself achieving that desire. And it's said in the book, if you truly desire money so keenly that your desire is an obsession, you will have no difficulty in convincing yourself that you will acquire it. The object is to want money into becoming so determined to have it, that you convince yourself that you will have it. Only those who become money conscious ever accumulate great wealth. Money consciousness means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in possession of it. So it's an obsession. It's an obsession that becomes so, y'all ever read the book? be obsessed or be average. It's an obsession that just comes or consumes you so much that you have no problem convincing yourself that you will get it. it. Says that is the only way that you will accumulate great wealth. So if you currently don't have an obsession over it, you have to find and reconnect yourself to your desire. And he actually gives an example of a statement right? And I'm, I'm going to read you the example. By January 1st, 2023, 
um, I will have in my possession $100,000, which will come to me in various amounts from time to time during the, the period in and in return for this money, I will give the most efficient service of which I'm capable of rendering, obviously this is like old school English, to the, I will give the most efficient service of which I'm capable of rendering the fullest possible quantity and the best possible quality of service as a sales representative. And then you, you describe the, the, then after that you describe the services or the merchandise that you intend to sell, right? So I'm in the financial literacy space. So I could say something like, by January, 2022, I will have $100,000 to my name and it's gonna come to me from, from the time to time, from now to this next year, right? And in, in return, I will be willing to give my time, my energy, my effort to my team, to my community, to learn and develop the skill of selling and leadership and growing a team and to always show up, right? That's the first part. Second part is, oh, and then you could talk about what you intend to sell. And I intend to sell, you know, uh, subscription memberships for financial literacy, right? And the second part is I believe that I will have this money in my possession my faith is so strong that I can now see this money before my eyes. I can touch it with my hands. It is now waiting transfer to me and the proportion that I deliver the service that I intend to render in return for it. And I am awaiting a plan by which to accumulate this money and I will follow that plan when it is received. Right? So I already believe that the money is on its way to me. I just have to continue to give these services and as i continue to give myself for what i've committed to giving to receive this the money will come to me right i'll send that in the chat for you guys but so a statement something like that and you can make it your own you can make it what's comfortable for you but you just got to add those things into the statement and then repeat it morning and night and when you repeat it, see your imagine, see it in your imagination. See the money that you intend to accumulate. How would you feel if you had that amount of money? Right? How would you feel? Because success, guys, and I know you've heard this before, and I know that's why you're on these calls, it is 90% mental. The skills don't matter. There are people who are way less qualified than you, who are way less intelligent than you, who are way less skilled than you, who have way less good qualities than you, and they're more successful than you. You know why? Because their belief level is higher. And their commitment to that belief is higher. And I was telling this to one of my girls the other day, because she was like, Oh, I read, I read personal development every day. I always hop on the calls, I always read personal development, but there's a difference between one of my girls said, I want to find it. Oh, she said something about push-ups. One of my girls, I want to find the quote that she said, cause it was really good. Okay. Let me find it for you guys. She said, 
People are reading about push-ups instead of doing them. People are reading about push-ups. Lindsay said this to me the other day on a call. People are reading about push-ups instead of doing them. Learning the theory of personal development is not enough alone. You have to put it into practice. It's great that you're on these calls. It's great that you do your personal development. It's great that you're expanding your mind, but you have to put it into practice. Are you, the practice may look different for different people. Are you reading something like this out every single day? Are you writing down your goals? And you don't have to do all of these things. These are just examples, right? Of putting it into practice, writing out your goals, spending time visualizing, spending time speaking to, uh, speaking to yourself in a positive manner, spending time uh, daydreaming, spending time meditating, spending time praying. Are you putting it into practice? Because learning about the theory of personal development is not enough. You also have to be doing the action part of it. I literally add it to my schedule. Like I literally add it. On Saturday, I spent two hours in the, as soon as I woke up visualizing and meditating. Two hours, bro. Because I know that in order to get to the next level of success, further than I've ever been before, it, I need to become a different version of myself and I need to increase my belief. Because the belief that I now have has gotten me to where I am today. It's not gonna get me further. I gotta increase my belief in myself, in my business, in my product, in my capabilities. I gotta increase my belief. Okay, so also focus on the doing part. And this exercise right here, where you know, you're writing out, you know, you're choosing the amount of money that you have and you're choosing exactly what you're gonna give for it and you're establishing a date and you're establishing, you know, a plan and you're writing it out and you're reading it every single day. That is doing. And that doing, is what's gonna raise your belief level. Theory is not enough. But if you're able to do that, just like the son who was spoken into day after day after day after day after day, then you can turn your life, and you are the creator, guys. You can turn your life into anything that you want. You are the creator of your life. And it's a beautiful blessing that we get to change our lives that we have the privilege to change our lives. We have the privilege to change our belief. Okay? So I hope you guys got some value out of today's call. I hope that story with the sun inspired you guys to use your setbacks as assets and stepping stones to get you into success. And to really, if you're not already, this is your reminder that you're not going to get where you want to go if you're not doing, if you're not doing the belief part, right? If you're not repeating it to yourself in some way or manner, find a way that works for you, right? That's your reminder. Someone said in the chat, this is exactly what I needed. I woke up happy and had the most amazing call. I'm ready to go. I love it. Uh, so I'm going to end the recording here. So if you guys are listening into the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Dre. Um, and if you share this on your stories or leave us a review, that would mean the world to me. So thank you so much for tuning in. 
Have an amazing, amazing Thursday.